So Money episode 532, Sally Krawcheck, author of Own It. You're listening to So Money with award-winning money guru, Farnoosh Karabi. Each day, get a 30-minute dose of financial inspiration from the world's top business minds, authors, influencers, and from Farnoosh herself. Looking for ways to save on gas or double your double coupons? Sorry, you're in the wrong place. Seeking profound ways to live a richer, happier life? Welcome to So Money. Welcome to So Money, everyone. Thanks for tuning in. I'm your host, Farnoosh Tarabi. Really happy to bring back our guest today, Sally Krawcheck. She's talking about a new era of feminism. And that's been a big topic of conversation since the Women's March just a few weeks ago. And we have to keep the momentum going. Sally Krawcheck is back and she's got a new book. It's called Own It, The Power of Women at Work. It's her first book. And in it, she discusses the ways in which women can impact change, especially in business. And Sally would know she is an entrepreneur. She launched Elevest recently, an investment platform for women. She's the former CEO of Smith Barney and Merrill Lynch Wealth Management, the CFO of Citigroup. And so Sally shares how women can thrive at work and also in their personal lives. Last time Sally was on the show was episode 349. If you missed it, it was right before Elevest was launching to the public. So we're going to catch up now about how it's actually doing, what the feedback is, and the biggest financial mistake women are making. And it may be the easiest one to fix. Here is Sally Krawcheck. Sally Krawcheck, welcome back to So Money. It's been about a year and so much has happened between your book and the election. My goodness, where do we even begin? Oh, everything has happened. I mean, it's it's it was a dog year, I think, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. And you have a new book, which is why we wanted to bring you back to share it with the world. It's called Own It, The Power of Women at Work. And yes. one of the big tenets of this book is... You have to quit acting like a man, ladies. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, embrace and invest in our innate strengths as women. This is from your book. Um, bring them proudly and unapologetically to work. So I have to ask you, Sally, you, you bring so much of your own life into this book. What mm. were those innate, what are those innate strengths of yours? Yeah. What's one story of how you managed to own your career using your femininity as an asset? Yeah. Well, let's start with with one thing, which is that so much of the advice that we get and women start to nod their head when I talk, both in advice, how to books, as well as in the workplace, it's all about essentially adopting more male characteristics, the confidence, right? The being at the table and the taking on the P&L roles. And the problem with that, Farnoosh, is the power of diversity and driving great business results is diversity, not asking us to act like men. Besides which, it's exhausting. Besides which, we bring great qualities to work that are becoming even more important as technology dramatically changes businesses. So one example of one of the qualities that we bring more than the guys do is our relationship focus. Another is we tend to look at things a little more long term. Another, we tend to be more risk aware. A fourth, we tend to make decisions by taking in more information. There's lots of research in the book, I hope really, you know, interestingly presented so you don't have to flog through it. But, you know, all this came together for me when I was CEO of Smith Barney. I was running the business during the financial crisis. And Farnoosh, you may recall that I was fired 
for mm-hmm. being for returning client money. I was the only senior executive, to the best of my knowledge, on Wall Street who partially reimbursed clients. And when and 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 I've thought about it over the years. I thought, gosh, that was so different from everybody else. And gosh, I was told to fall in line repeatedly by the boss. And as I st- started to think about it over the years, I thought, I think some of that was because I was a woman. Why did I do that? Because I was so focused on the people who we had tried to do a good job for, but didn't because I was so focused on the long-term you know, health of the business. It, it wasn't like, you know, guys give up this quarter. Let's think about the business longer term. And I, and I think was making a, you know, a risk aware decision. So a lot of those qualities I just talked about came in. And so it was only years later, Farnish. So I said, you know what? I was not exactly, but kind of sort of fired because I was a woman. And I may have been wrong, but don't we all wish there had been more of those debates on Wall Street? Can't we see how Wall Street would have been a better place with more diversity and more of those debates? But in the history books, it went down as you being the last honest analyst. (laughs) Yeah, that was cool. That was a picture that was actually, I think, bigger than life-sized furnish on on a Fortune magazine. So look, you know, the downside was I lost my job. Uh, the upside was I really felt like I did the right thing um, for the business um, and for my own ethics and, and conscience. And, you know, and of course, I've gone on to do other things and that I'm loving doing. So, the, you know, these things work out. You know, Wall Street, eh, you know, went into the downturn, as I say, white male and middle aged and came out whiter, maler and middle ager. Um, so hopefully they'll read the book, own it and recognize that uh, there's real upside for them by uh, including some gender diversity, more gender diversity. You wrote own it during when it appeared that we were on the brink of having our first female president. And of course, that didn't happen. And so now we're left with this immeasurable amount of really uncertainty about the fate and future of gender equality. So what now, Sally? Well, you know, it's interesting, Furnish, because yeah, there were some words that we changed at the beginning of the book, you know, a few days after the election, which was, oh, my gosh, guys, wait a minute. Um, so I think the publisher actually literally screamed, stop the press. That being said, you'd be surprised by how little of it changed or had to change because part of this, where the book starts is the diversity, gender diversity in business has stalled. Furnish, we are, depending on the study, 100 years, 150 years, 180 years away from gender pay parity in this country, more if you're a woman of color or with disabilities. And so the book starts from a place of, wait a minute, guys, we've stalled. We have not made the progress that all the debate and discussion would have had us think we would make in business, despite the fact it's great for business. So what do we do now? And the book then goes on to say, you know what, things are changing and fast because technology is changing everything about business. So the puck is coming to us, and it's also changing the way we as women can manage our careers. We control $5 trillion of investable assets. We direct 80% of consumer spending. We're more than half the workforce. Yet somehow we've accepted we have to act like men, right? We have to play their game. You know what? Technology is now enabling us to play our own game in one way. There are plenty of ways, but one way is we're much more able as professional women to start our own businesses than we ever were before. You're an example and I'm an example. 
Speaking of taking an active stance, one of the things you think we should get rid of is the concept of empowerment as a defining word of feminism, <laughs> which is kind of controversial because it is widely accepted. We use it all the time. Well, you know, it's funny. I hate it. I didn't like the word for years and I sort of thought it was one of those words like authentic that got overused and I thought I'm just not going to use it. Everybody else is using it. I'm not going to use it. And then one day... I, we were having a conversation at Elevest. We were batting some ideas around and we began to talk about what it meant. So I looked it up in the dictionary. It means to be given power, to be given power. Wait a minute. I, I thought we've already got all this power. We don't need to be given any more power. We can use the power that we have. And by the way, the very concept of being given power, you know, the great Gloria Steinem, I remember spending time with her and she said, you know, who says the guys are going to give it up? They'll give one seat at the table. They may give two seats at the table, but in terms of that equal sharing, this is something that we're going to have to really address ourselves. And, and one example you know, when's the last time, Farnoosh, I don't know how many guys you interrupted talking about all kinds of stuff at work. I've interrupted a ton and I've never walked into a group of guys and said, hey, guys, what are you all talking about? And I said, you know, Sally, we're really talking about the power of gender diversity and driving business. <laughs> you know, come join us. Right. So this is something where if we if we sort of have that sense of other folks are going to give this to us or do it, we've already seen we stall out. We need to take action. And that's what I think is different post the election. More and more women are saying, you know what? We need to take action. Speaking of power, you've mentioned how we need to recognize that money means power, which sort mm -hmm. of also feels mm -hmm. masculine in that definition. You know, seeing money as yeah. this powerful thing to take over, to dominate. What do you mean, Sally, by power in that context? Well, First of all, we're in a capitalist society. And so you can start with the, it's the way of, of score. So to back up, I mentioned earlier, and there, there seems like there's a slight paradox. There is not. I mentioned earlier, women, we women have so much in the way of financial resources that we can use and wreck and, and reward companies that are acting the right way and punish companies that are not. However, on an individual basis, we women don't have as much money as men do. And there are all kinds of studies on this. But one one example, which you'll know, of course, very well, is women retire with two-thirds the money of men in general, despite the fact we live longer. I call I call closing the gender money gaps. And, and of course, as you know, I'm particularly interested in the gender investing gap. The best career advice women aren't getting. Why? Because do you feel better going into your boss's office to ask for the new assignment if you have more money in the bank or less, to ask for the overseas assignment, to ask for the new hotshot, to leave the, the company because the boss is a jerk and start your own business, to leave the relationship with the boyfriend or girlfriend who was so nice five years ago and now is acting like a jerk themselves. You know, money gives us, and I don't have to convince you, degrees of freedom. Money gives us power. And while that may be a masculine word, the concept of that freedom and the ability to live the lives we want to as, a, as, you know, instead of being hemmed in, I can't leave this marriage because if I do, um, my standard of living will go down a double digit percent and his will go up a double digit percent, right? Those are, that, those are traps. Those are traps. And I firmly believe that more women need to make more because if, if money means power, then it can mean that as women, because that's just our nature, we will use that power to help people, to help our loved ones, not to take over necessarily, mm. but to provide, ah. to serve. Farnish, 
women having more money, whether they're closing their gender money pay gap. Um, and, and another thing the book points out is, you know, when I used to go ask for a raise, I had to just sort of say, hey, can I have a raise? You know, now there's so many resources out there for knowing how much I should be getting paid, you know, whether it's pay scale or get raised or or any of these things, um, closing our gender gap, our gender investing gaps, closing these gaps is absolutely good for women. We know that it's good for our daughters. There's research that indicates that if we are out there and working, our daughters make more money over the course of their lives. It's good for our families. It puts more money into into our families. It's good for the economy. So sometimes guys, I mean, I was just on, I was just doing another interview and a, a number of guys were angry about this. There is no gender pay gap. And how dare you women? You're like, dude, dude, you know, do you know, do you have think any that women customers? I know they do. Mind boggling. But like, okay, fine. But putting more money into women's pockets, dude, do you have any women customers? Because if they have more money, they might spend more money, right? And so it's good for the economy, for society. And to your point, Farnoosh, it's good for nonprofits because women are more generous in giving to nonprofits than gentlemen are. And so there's, I can't find the, you know, it's a win, 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 but something in our psychology that if somebody else makes more money, somehow it diminishes me because I think of myself on a relative basis. There's a, there's a kink in our brains that has us think that when in fact, this is just so great for everybody. Last time you were on the show, we talked about how you, over the course of your career, have become very risk aware for obvious reasons. At the same time, you also believe that a person's biggest asset is not their investment portfolio, it's themselves. So marrying those two thoughts, Sally, how should we go about assessing personal risk when we want to climb in our careers, our financial lives, start a business, ultimately own it? But then there's this whole other life we're leading as well. We have kids, Hmm. partnerships, we have to constantly be reconciling risk in our personal lives. Any advice around that? Yeah. Here, here's what I would say, that we need to have our eyes open around this, that if we think about the ways business are, is changing, I talked about it, technology is changing business. And one example, Furnish, when, you know, just a handful of years ago, when I ran Merrill Lynch, I had all the information. I mean, doing client surveys was so expensive that even the number two company in the industry could not afford it. So I had the data and no one else did. Today, the information is so cheap. Everybody's got it, right? Whether it's much less expensive surveys or even asking a question on Twitter, all of a sudden we've all got the information. That's a dramatic change, a dramatic change. I can talk about another change. You know, think about the changes that are going in marketing. Just a handful of years ago, marketing was all about brand building and creativity. And today it's about that plus multi-touch attribution analysis, deep data analytics. This change is happening so quickly. And so I think for some of us, we think, you know what, that idea of I am going to take career risk, maybe, you know, I don't know. I'm, I'm not going to, I don't know that I want to do that. I'm that's uncomfortable. I'm not going to do it. Well, you know what, guys, not taking career risk is taking career risk now because things are changing. And so we need to really be in the flow of what is changing, continue to stretch ourselves professionally, continue to push ourselves professionally, um, and recognize that part of this new world means that we are more likely to get fired 
than we were historically. That the idea, I mean, think about it today. Can you imagine anybody starting at a job at the age of 23 and retiring at the age of 65 with a gold watch? It's just not going to happen any longer. We as women take failure more personally. And part of Farnoosh, why I wrote about my own personal failures in the book was to try to normalize it. Look, I got, you know, you know, I got fired on the front page of the Wall Street Journal, by the way, twice. And I, you know, here's how I got through it. Here's how I got up the next morning. Here's what I did. Um, because failure is going to happen more often. And so I think we have to accept it. Now it gets back to what you and I talk about, which is being financially fit, you know, having an emergency fund, having the savings, having investments so that if, and more likely when that happens, you're in, in financial shape to manage through that. Do you talk about confidence a lot in your book, Sally? There was a another book a couple of years ago called The Confidence Code. It really resonated with females, especially in corporate America, because many of us identify with this lack of confidence. And studies prove time and time again, women have less confidence than men in the workplace. What do you think? Is that just malarkey? You know, here's what I would say. What we all love and I love is tell me the secret. Tell, please tell me what to do. And then if I will do it. And then, you know, if I do this and I do this and I ask for the raise this way and I negotiate this way and I, you know, manage this way, I will be successful. Um, and that works, you know, has worked historically for some number of people. I would point out, though, that by it, some of this advice is really telling us to act in a more traditionally masculine way to act in a way that it, we may not be innately comfortable with. The reason we do that, I've managed a lot of people over a lot of years. One of the reasons we do that is because for us as managers, it's just so much more comfortable to tell everybody to act the same. You know, everybody's sort of in a row and then I can manage in one way. The issue with this is the power of diversity is diversity. And as a manager, managing diversity is much harder than managing everybody the same way because, I mean, you think about the just the base case of an extrovert and an introvert. You know, an extrovert, you don't have to pull anything out of. That's easy. The introvert, you have to, you know, pull and, and ask and probe and question. And so it's just a lot easier to say to the introvert, just would you act extroverted, please? And then I can, I can just manage in one way. Smart companies, smart managers manage everybody from where they are right, where those people are. And, you know, are able to guide and coach and pull the best from them as opposed to act like this. The issue with so much of the um, advice telling us to act like men, besides the fact it negates the power of diversity, is furnished. It's exhausting. It's exhausting, right, to be a certain way. And finally, and the really depressing part, is it can cause a backlash, that we women get criticized for being too feminine, but we've also been criticized for being too masculine. And it drives women out of the workforce, right? So it also causes hair loss. Oh my gosh, no doubt about it, right? And it causes me to drink too much wine at night. And so Farnoosh, what's, you know, what's the, okay, Sally, what's the, that sounds good, but what's the answer? The answer in the first instance is having these conversations at work. You know, the amazing Ellen Shook at Accenture asked a question. One, I was with her one night. And she said, what courageous conversation are you willing to have, right? You know, to say, this is who I am. Or, gee, boss, why are you making all of us act the same, you know, act the same way? Or why are you assessing us that way? You know, the next step is for us to use our resources to buy from, invest in, work for companies who treat us well. 
And the final, you know, the biggie is, again, if companies aren't going to treat us well, I think they're going to start to get hollowed out. And we do have these options as professional women of starting our own thing or or building non-traditional career paths because you just you're finding all these, you know, in so many of the women who leave the workforce say I left because it was exhausting to me. I would love to step back in in a way that makes me feel like, and I'm going to use a word I just said I hate, authentic. The analogy I think of is back when when we really started entering the workforce in force, you know, we dress like men. In fact, you're not going to believe this. I moved a few weeks ago. I found my old briefcase. <laughs> Your briefcase, attache. Right, an attache case. And we used to wear the floppy bows and the big shoulder pads. And we got rid of that. But again, if you, when you really go back and, and there's research on this about this idea of cascading bias at work that um, because the leaders are strong and confident and, you know, masculine, that then, you know, we put that in the performance reviews and try to get everybody to act that way. Not every business, not every company. But when I bring this up, I get a lot of nodding heads from a lot of women. A lot of my listeners are in their 20s, their 30s. Looking back on your life, Sally, what would be the best advice you would give your 25-year-old self with regards to money, personal finances? Yeah. So I scared the living bejesus out of myself um, coming out of college by running up credit card debt. And, you know, had that moment that I'm sure so many of your listeners have, which is, oh my gosh, I'm paying the minimum because it's all I can afford. And the amount that I owe is going up every month. It scared the living bejesus out of me. And I got that thing paid off as quickly as I was able to and have never, you know, tell everybody, if you can't afford something without putting on the credit card, you can not afford it. And to, you know, in living below and within your means is just so important. The other smart, then the smart thing I did was I began investing in my twenties. And I, you know, I may have shared this story with you before. I'll never forget my ex-husband telling my brother not to bother to invest in his twenties because he, my brother would make so much money later. He could make up for it. Um, no, no, no. The power of compounding, as you know, is something we don't intuitively understand, but is so powerful. And so the example I'll give, and really the reason I founded Elevest, which doesn't have minimum for this reason, is if you're a woman, you're making call it, you're doing well, you're making call it 85,000 bucks a year, you're saving, you're putting aside 15, let's call it 20% of your income, you are saving, but you're leaving in the bank instead of investing in any diversified low cost, you know, in uh, portfolio, ETF portfolio. If you wait to invest for 10 years, which so many women do, the amount that costs you a day is dramatic pause, $100 on average, historically, $100. So these numbers are just become so big because of that impact of compounding. Well, what? Oh, no, what if the market goes down? Well, you know what? If the market goes down and you're investing steadily, you'll be buying a cheap market. You know, sometimes you'll buy an expensive market. Sometimes you'll buy a cheap market. But that habit formation, um, a percent of every paycheck, I did. And it's it's the smartest money move I made. How is LFS doing? Last we spoke, it was sort of in the beta launch. What's been the feedback? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Um, what, what, what an amazing thing. What an amazing thing. So we um, took day. We, Moved out of beta in November of last year, so 2016. So we're still new. Um, of course, the day before the election. I mean, we couldn't have chosen. I mean, like, duh. Um, but um, 
but that's when it was. And the feedback from women. So it started, I think you and I had this discussion at one point, the initial feedback was, I don't need something for women. And my lady brain doesn't need some dumbed down, you know, investment platform for women. And then when women go and look at it and they say, wait a minute, actually, this looks more sophisticated than what I've seen. Actually, this takes into account in an investing platform and a planning platform that I live longer than men, that my salary emerges differently. It, you know, talking to me about career breaks and the cost of career breaks. And then they sort of circle back and, and, you know, those who say, geez, for women feel sexist, women will come back and say, actually, you know, the, what the industry has been doing by having it as an ill-fitting suit for us feel sexist. And so the thing that's been most amazing to me is that I reach out personally to everyone who signs on. And, you know, if you don't want to reply, that's fine. But I ask for the feedback. And even those who say, you know what, it's not right for me for this reason or, or whatever. You know, I live in Canada or I do, you know, I, I'm, I'm someplace and I can't, I can't do this. Um, will give us like 10 paragraphs of feedback. And what I'm picking up from them um, is we're so happy somebody's paying attention to this and to us. And we want to be part of a process of co-creating this because we just haven't had this kind of offering or this kind of attention before. I was reading a note last night furnish that actually moved me to tears. And you know me, I don't move to tears easily. But it was from a woman and she was having an issue at work. And she went through, you know, the conversation with her boss and said, but, you know, I know I've got a resource that I can invest in steadily every paycheck. And that is a gives me a sense of confidence. It was just amazing to me. Sally, thanks for being so there with us, you know, every step of the way and being so candid about your life experiences. I have to ask that before I let you go, what is one thing that we don't know about you that people may be shocked to hear? I'm a cat person. Yeah, I'm, I'm a cat person. So I think cat person for sure. Um, yes, you know, as somebody said, you don't really have a pet unless you have a pet special pet voice. So obviously I have a special pet voice. Um, the other thing you might not expect of me is that while I have been very upfront about being a mediocre mother on my best day, okay, on my best day, I'm a mediocre mother. Um, I, I probably make the best pie you've ever tasted in your whole life. Um, and I make a lunch spread that would knock your socks off. So I think those are a few things you might not expect. Well, you're speaking to an eight month pregnant lady. So that <gasps> all sounds really yeah. good to me right now. Yeah, I've been there. I've been there. No pie. Definitely have the pie because you'll be busy later <laughs> not eating pie. <laughs> <laughs> Making up for it now. Yeah. Sally Krawcheck, congratulations on Own It and everything. Thank All you. Best. Thank you, Furnish. Any, love being here with you anytime. Thanks so much, Sally, for stopping by. To learn more, check out Own It, The Power of Women at Work. It's on sale now. Sally's investment platform is Elevest, E-L-L-E-V-E-S-T.com. Sally's also on Twitter at Sally Krawcheck. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. And I hope your day is so money.